Hello, and welcome to Label Sessions Presents. Label Sessions is a global platform that connects you to the best advice from the most interesting people, whether you want advice, mentoring, or ideas. I'm Josh Nixon, content producer for Label Sessions. And in this episode, myself, Nick Sherrod, and Ian Montgomery wrap up our time at World Passenger Fest in Vienna, walking you through our highlights, lowlights, and tips for the fest for next year. Not to mention a roundup of interview highlights we did with a slew of leaders at the conference. But for now, let's get started. Good. So we've had a few days since the end of the World Passenger Festival. People have made it back to various different places. Josh back in the UK, Ian somewhere, somewhere on a journey around Eastern Europe. Or even further beyond. Um, <laughs> so before we talked about some of the things we're looking forward to seeing, some of the kind of key um, key meetings in the calendar, I guess. So having had your time there, what were your what, what, what did your highlights turn out to be? You'd have to ask us this because you turned up late, don't you? Well, I don't turn up late. I just said it a nightmare journey. I actually didn't. Actually, I only missed a few hours of the conference, but it felt like a lifetime trying to get across to Vienna from Edinburgh. It was not, uh, not an easy journey. So I had, um, yeah, a kind of interesting passenger journey on the way to Vienna. So like, uh, I presume all of your highlights therefore were on the first day when I wasn't there. That's basically where you go. All the really good stuff happened on the first day. Yeah. You, you, your FOMO should be all over the place. Um, Actually, no, I tell a lie. I think you turned up for two of the best ones because you turned up for the stations talks. So yes. I, 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 re- I really enjoyed the sort of Takamara Suzuki guy um, from some international railway federation talking about these stations because it was like, ah, oh, somebody else is thinking about the same thing we're thinking about. That's cool. Um, and you were there for the lady who talked about behavioral science to start Parisians urinating on subway stations. So that was quite good too was very uh into that that's also a talk where i shared the fact that i was going to it before our social media and got so many angry reactions because it's nudge theory and i think nudge theory is now in this kind of it's gone from being the thing that everyone's excited about to being the thing that everyone's incredibly cynical about and we should also say ian as well you're, you're talking about we there because you're talking about the work that we've been doing with bolden on stations of the future so if you're coming into this podcast yeah. for the first time um, that is a as a research project and a thought leadership project that we've been um, working on with them. When, when you spent eighteen months looking at stations and somebody else comes and talks about stations, you're like, I'm not alone. There's somebody else in this world who thinks about weird things that I think about. <laughs> that is true, and it, and it is also one of the few conferences where you can get a genuine crowd reaction by talking about anti-public urination on French um, railway um, infrastructure. That's, that's, uh, that's a thing that we, we need railways should be civilized you're not meant to not you shouldn't be urinating in the corners of them it gives a real sense of community josh what were your what were your highlights um so i didn't get to do many talks unfortunately because i was i was doing a lot of interviews and uh uh i think probably my probably my favorite interview that i'm really pushing to to get out there is uh the lady elizabeth hall from seat frog uh i know i know seat frog is essentially like it's a service I've used before that I, I quite like um, and I know it's essentially just taking leftover seats and just sort of putting turn them into a bidding war and giving them to people who are but it's an idea I think it's an interesting idea to give a first class upgrades for, for a bit cheaper and, and cheering tickets for a bit cheaper that are like essentially going to go unused anyway um, so it's just essentially repurposing those and I'm more than happy to have more competition to the train line because I feel like the train line is sort of 
although not necessarily got a monopoly, but it pretty much has in terms of the split ticket in sales and like for the longest time, that's like the only service I used before I realized all of the booking fees and stuff like that. And um, just any competition is good, really. I, I, I thought actually this is one of the interesting things in the whole conference, which is we've picked out quite, well, two contrasting things. So there was some interesting discussion of the future of stations, the future of transport systems, the way that contributes to the green transition, the way that contributes to the future of cities and all these kind of things. And on the flip side, there were quite a lot of quite interesting applications of technology to current problems. The There was a kind of elephant in the room of the whole thing, I guess, as to how you actually make the transition between the big bold teachers thing and the kind of current state iteration thing, which can be really important, but there was there was it was a kind of a weird conference that way. It felt like everyone was in the same physical space. A lot of people were from the same companies, but there's this kind of weird divide between the kind of future facing lot and the current facing lot. And there doesn't seem to be anyone in between. There's there's nobody not necessarily somebody in between, but sometimes it's bridging the thinking between the two. So there was a lady from Swedish Railways and she was like, our company broadly believes that sustainability and railways being better for the environment is one of the reasons people choose to travel with us. And then she was like, well, electric cars are basically, nobody buys a petrol car in Sweden anymore. And in the not too distant future, we'll have electric aircraft. So at that point, we lose any competitive advantage around the eco credential. And if we spend too much time on that, we're going to get complacent around what we're actually really good at. And the things that railways are really good at is space. So they were reimagining what you do with space on a train. So it's like in the old days, you had a buffet car, then it got, they got rid of it. Then it became a trolley. If you're stuck in the same seat all the time, a train becomes like a plane. So they'd had like a design hackathon where someone had gone right in a train carriage. Here's how we would radically redefine space to differentiate ourselves from a self-driving car or an electric plane and it's really hard to do because you've then got to go and find who can make this piece of rolling stock who can actually just like certify it's been safe to travel how do we sell tickets in a different way and like their example of it was you might have a library section which is total silence so sit read a book fall asleep you might have like a collaboration area which is you can have people who work for a consultancy having a workshop on the train during the same journey, you might want to swap seats, but then you've got to create the technology so you can book your journey starting in the library car and then switch to a more conversational space later on. And it sounds kind of simple, but actually pulling it all together and actually delivering that and making it real by 2030 is what hell of a challenge. So I thought that was really interesting, like bridging the two worlds of old world transit operations that are nice for passengers and the technology required to go and make it real. It is it's an interesting thing as well, because what that speaks to, I guess, is that the in some ways, one of the themes of the conference was kind of business model innovation, because actually a lot of the technology exists to do quite radically different things. And, and in particular, on the sustainability angle, a lot, a lot of the technology exists to to make, to get more people, we kind of know how to get more people on the train to some level. But the the issue is... There's still a lot of operators there who are only incentivized to flog tickets, and therefore you yeah. don't try and maximize the space. You try and maximize the number of steps, uh, the, the, the number of seats. Sorry, um, and uh, there was a kind of that's the kind of maybe the, the, the sort of disconnect in the sector just now. There's like massive ways in which transport operators can contribute to massive goals, develop 
cities, develop new cities, uh, sustainability, all this kind of piece. Uh, but the business models aren't necessarily there to make it all happen. And I think one thing that you can say popping around the conference stages is it's not a sector that finds it easy to tell its story to the outside world. Well, there's the thing that you've talked about before when we talked about travel. You've done a lot of work with one of the big travel booking companies that sort of sits behind the scenes. There was a lady from Ikea that um, she was talking about everybody knows Ikea's sort of sustainability credentials, the direction they're moving in is going to be better Billy bookcases. But they have a lot to travel around Europe. She's like, we can't, we physically can't book train tickets through whoever does the IKEA travel booking system. So people almost feel compelled to book a flight. So that they're they're almost making a calling to the railway companies to say, please make it easier for us to buy tickets as a business travel, like for business travel. Um, It'll be better for us. It'll be better for our employees. It'll be better for the environment. It'll be cheaper. You'll get more money. But right now, nobody's making it available to us. And like again, it's that same thing. Of, there were companies there that I was looking at their stands going, I think you might be able to do what that IKEA person was looking for. But based upon what's on your stand, I have no idea what you do. So like that whole sort of telling the story of IKEA did a really good job of saying, hey, industry, this is what we need. Some of the vendors don't do a very good job of telling the story of this is how we serve you. The, the, the vendors in the whole sector, I mean, I think it's an interesting thing, right? If you look at the way that something like a kind of industry branding like fintech has taken these kind of quite back-end, quite geeky systems of the way that banks operate and made it quite kind of sexy and quite kind of contemporary and people get excited about working in fintech. The whole transport tech or transport area should be like it's doing important stuff. But somehow it's kind of ended up being presented like it's this quite archaic infrastructure. Whereas actually, even actually, so one of the highlights for me was listening to the guys from LNER, which is the East Coast main line in, in the UK, goes from Scotland down to London. And uh, they were talking about the use of machine learning to do things like reduce wastage in the food offering on trains, because you can be smarter and who's going to get on, what the demand will be and what it's not going to be. You know, that is like properly innovative properly has a really big impact on the world does speak to business impact so it's not like you have to you know say this is all kind of a neat csr project somewhere there's there's kind of roles people to do really innovative work in this sector that's innovative by technology innovative in terms of its impact uh but yeah there's a kind of image problem around the whole area that i maybe hope we'll talk a bit about next year and things but i think there's a there's a kind of role for something like world passenger festival to be the platform to talk about this whole area in a very different way it's nice to have an event that's actually thinking about passengers because if you compare this to some of the other railway public transport conferences this is a really blunt way of looking at it but there's a lot more women and the way that they sort of turn up and present and talk about it isn't about new types of tech or isn't about different classes of rolling stock even just the use of the word rolling stock makes me shit because this is what I've become now. But it's very focused on um, what do people actually want? And it's so simple, but... And and it, you tend to find that the people who are thinking about the passenger are better at telling the story about where the, where the industry will go than the people who are tasked with the engineering behind how do we deliver that passenger experience. So I think there's a bit of matching that up. 
and you really notice it in those 15 like terrapin do a really good job of those they'd split up into different tracks and you get people for 15 minutes so even if you get a bit of a bad talk 15 minutes later it'll be done somebody's talking about something quite different but you really notice it when it's the engineering type person popping up and then it's the customer-led person popping up and the, the the way they tell the story and the way they present can be quite jarring yeah Josh, you were interviewing people for like pretty intensely for 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 two days. What, what, what were some of the things that you noticed uh, from speaking to the leaders directly? What were some of the kind of key key things you you noticed around the way they were talking? Uh, it was pretty much sort of mirroring what you guys were saying there, where it was obviously it was a lot more passenger led, which is obviously you know the title of the fest. Um, but people, the, a lot of the products were more centered around making purchasing tickets and how tickets and how trains sort of like interlinked and specifically railways interlinked more accessible so one of the people that i talked to was another startup i think it was called train explorer and they had a really neat sort of product where it was just another it was a similar sort of service like i was talking to like seatfrog and trainline uh which are two sort of like intermediary operators in in the uk um for for purchasing tickets um but they had actual real-time data that they had siphoned from past trips and use that to say if you needed to make a connection somewhere in Europe and change trains what's the like statistical likelihood that you will make it to the next train mm-hmm. say if it's, if it's a line that's known for running late it'll pick you out a ticket that's a little bit later to cover for extra time um, and give you like an actual sort of percentage statistic of like whether or not you're going to actually make that change um, and it was interesting sort of uh, things like that uh, I'm just trying to think of another one. I, I, I did I did so many interviews. I did I count them twelve interviews. Um, so and they're all sort of back back back. So it was, there was just so much going on. Um, and it was a lot of the startups, and I think a lot of the startups were bringing some really interesting things to um to the table, like that. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's definitely an interesting thing, and I think actually, like uh, Ian was saying before, I would say like in terms of. From our perspective, when we're talking to leaders all the time, there is a much more kind of collaborative, open leadership style you see in this industry than I think a few years or even a few years ago. There's a bit less of the kind of quite bullheaded male infrastructure guy. There's at least a sort of awareness that there is a world beyond <laughs> uh, the kind of pure engineering perspective on on what transport is and what it and what it can be. There's an interesting little divide as well between there's quite a lot of brits that turn up at this event because we have certainly trained companies from franchising yeah but compared to the europeans there's there's almost something a little bit more flashy a little bit more marketing led in terms of how the brits are thinking about their trains and there's something quite a lot more functional about how the europeans are thinking about theirs so if you compared like the the innovation people that turned up from different organizations belgium france austria are all thinking about like how do we make this functionally better i think brits was thinking more about how do we make this emotionally better and actually you really need both of them but it's quite interesting how the cultural divide exists between the two it's maybe culture it's maybe also context right because britain is just terrible at doing infrastructure so i guess if you work in railways you just have to try and make the experience of things better because this was also uh, I guess timing-wise, the cancellation of HS2 happened during Passenger Festival as well, so it wasn't maybe the the a great moment to celebrate Brit- British planning and um, no. railway culture. I, w- I was reading like the uh, the the BBC news thing about HS2 getting cancelled to Manchester while I was in like the main room, and this guy from Austrian Railway just leaned over me and went, "Are you English?" I was like, 
no, I'm I'm going to say I'm Canadian this time. He's like, it doesn't matter. Nobody who speaks English as a first language knows how knows anything about how to build a railway. I was like, that's carting. <laughs> yeah, it was not it was not a good conference to to be waving any kind of UK flag at. Uh, but um, so we've kind of gone through some of the highlights. Were there any lowlights, people? Anything that you wanted to call out as like uh, like a bad part of the two days? I've got intense FOMO for the talks that I missed. So like I know they'll all be uploaded to the site, but like it's a bit it's a bit sort of tricky. Um, but like you're there and there's nine different tracks of simultaneous really interesting speakers. So like you plan your event. I was looking at my thing going, at twelve forty five today I've there's five things that I said I'd be at and you, you can't possibly take it all in. So I mean, it's a first world problem when you're complaining about there's loads of stuff. I wish I could have seen more things, but um, I feel like I'm going to be back on the website for it, sort of checking out what what are the talks that I missed. Yeah, Josh, it was the first time you've been to it. Was there was it what you expected? Were there any bits you thought could be a build for next year? Um, well, I know I don't know how different it was from when it was in Amsterdam. Um, it felt it felt quite small. It felt sort of it, it felt connected, for lack of a better term. Like uh, I was I was building into people repeatedly that i'd seen like just minutes before um like i was like i was telling you guys the story before about how um I'd, i was actually setting up some interviews for the for the conference and like three of the people who i'd happened to set up interviews five minutes before were all having a conversation with each other independent of my connection to them and it was just weird to sort of insert myself into the conversation where everybody already knew me from when i'd actually messaged them on the app which i thought was quite cool as a local celebrity now, Josh, it's in the, it's in the, yeah, in, the yeah. in the transport world, you know. There is there is, there is a lesson there. asking for interviews. But if you if you turn up with a with a tripod and a nice camera, people come up to you and ask to be interviewed. I think so. It's like if you're a bit shy, that's the best way of going about a conference. I think. Well, yeah. I think I think that we, we 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 can now with this year of label sessions, we can now rank industries by their level of openness to to man with tripods. So uh, I would say yeah, the transport <laughs> sector quite high. Uh, connected Britain, same organizer, but people much more reticent to get on camera. I think it's fair to say, Josh. Yeah. yeah. Um, fintech money twenty, pretty similar. We'll see what the whole the whole big web summit people folk are like. But there's definitely a ranking there of kind of like uh, enthusiasm to get in front of a camera with a microphone by <laughs> industry. I think it, I wouldn't I wouldn't have expected to put transportation at the top of that list, but cool, nice. Yeah, people were really open, really kind. So. I definitely think that's a that's a big plus, Josh. You know, for your your uh, advice to be going to World Pasta Festival, being a newbie this year as well, make make really good use of the app because I feel like if I didn't, not just on the day of, like a couple of day, like a day before even, uh, really really helped because people were really people were shockingly really receptive on that. People actually used it, um, which was a nice change because that it, it there was that wasn't really a presence for that connected Britain connected Britain people didn't really use it. Um, money 2020 same sort of thing so i think it was quite nice to to make use of that in advance that is actually something i would say to people who are thinking about going to world passenger festival or, or heading there for the first time it is one of the few times that you get a really global gathering of transport people which means people are much more you're know, beyond the talks people are much more interested in sort of hanging out and finding out what's going on in different parts of the world and different bits of the industry than you maybe get at other events just because quite a lot of other events have a lot more of them and there's much, it's much less rare that you've got everybody in the same place where it's connected. Well, the, or the, the um, uh, World Passenger Festival 
people want to talk, even if it is just Italian that he's an English speaker and therefore shouldn't talk about trains. But it's like there is there is definitely like more interaction there than you get elsewhere. Good. And then the one other thing that we should say as well is that this podcast will go out just as the Bold End Stations of the Future podcast and yeah. social media content and kind of wider thought leadership campaign starts to get into gear. Just to give you a chance, Ian, just to talk about what are some of the things that people should be looking out for as they see that? Because I guess it's a very similar topic. Like it's like Stations of the Future was kind of raised across the various stages yeah. of the World Passenger Festival. Bolden are now taking the white paper and um, taking people on a journey really to kind of spark some conversations around these around these topics. Yeah, kind of where it came from is so Bolden was BAI Communications. Bolden is the new name. They started looking at stations. So this effectively they're a business that sells connectivity. So they sell phone signal, Wi-Fi in stations, trains, tunnels, etc. The premise of where this came from was we did some work around what's the train station of the future going to be like. They turned that into a white paper. I think we've shared that enough on LinkedIn so far. Um, but that you can't just stop at the white paper. You have to go beyond it. So um, they're posting lots of written content in the form of blogs. And then they're now doing this um, content series with us around um, beyond just stations, but looking more like connected transit in general. Um, so we've been speaking to urbanists, futurists, train operators, bus operators, um, people who understand all the sort of the data and the behaviors in the industry, especially in the UK, um, albeit we're speaking to the people in the US and Europe to come. But really it's about this continuous idea of learning what's happening, what it means to bold in, and then bold in being quite open and sharing that with the industry. So they're sharing the full episodes out there. If every, if every other company that sells Wi-Fi to train companies listens to it, that will be a good thing. Um, so we'll be seeing sort of episodes of that coming out in the next few weeks. It's, it's, it's interesting because Bolden are really keen, well, they're you know, really taking the position of thought leader in the sector, which this is all part of. But, you know, the whole transport connectivity sectors, because there's a lot of overlap between them, but they're very much basically you can't do anything alone. So it's a really interesting thing for a brand like that to be a thought leader because it kind of needs someone to step into the position that Bolden are taking to say, actually, let's talk about what the future is. Let's share their view of that, but let's also give a platform to other people with an opinion as well. Yeah. Um, and then let's um, and then and then let's see how people respond. What are some of the first episodes? You know, first so no, I think the the first one that we've got coming out is with Chris himself, so the, the guy from Bolden who's looking at product and innovation. Chris Bichette. Chris Bichette. Cool name. Yep. Um, and then we have Pete Dyson, who is, he co-wrote Transport for Humans. So it's, it's, it basically became the bible of some work we did with Chris. And then we'll also be talking to his um, co-writer, Rory Sutherland, who, if anybody knows who he is, I'm a big fanboy. Um, but he's 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 a man who is obsessive about behavioral science, marketing, and trains. Um, he'll come at the end, uh, but we'll get Pete, who's the sensible man who actually wrote the book. Um, he's, he's, he's in the second episode. And then, Josh, am I right in thinking the third episode is Bronwyn? Yes. Yes. So, uh, yeah, so the third episode comes from Bronwyn. Um, she's a, sort of a futurist from South Africa. A place that's not very well known for its its trains or public transport um so she's giving a take on like actually what does this mean um sort of more broadly so three quite yeah. diverse episodes to get us started it's nice as well so much of what we do at label sessions is thought leadership that's internal which is lovely but it is nice as well when people start to take it out in the outside world partly because they get the benefit of like, sharing the conversation but also because it's quite nice for uh it means that when i then bang on people about things <laughs> they can actually listen to the whole thing rather than just hearing my bullshit version of it afterwards 
As promised, now it's time to turn to some of our interview highlights. Elizabeth Hall is first, the Director of Product Design at SeatFrog. She talks about how she sees the future of transport developing and how SeatFrog itself fits within it. A lot that everybody's talking about here is the future transport, future transport. Yeah. How is it that you see uh, you know, SeatFrog developing in, into the future? I think growing in partnerships, I think, you know, as I've, I've talked a lot about putting the passenger first, I think we need to, to figure out how to make things easier. Uh-huh. And I think there's a huge opportunity. And one of the biggest things about SeatFrog is, you know, sustainability is a huge focus for us. It's, it's something that I'm really passionate about. And I know that the whole team are at SeatFrog. And I think, you know, our upgrade model is getting, it's filling those empty seats, yeah. you know, it, that's otherwise it just being wasted. Yeah. Um, and so I think the future of travel should be making rail the front and foremost way of people considering traveling. Yeah. It's, it's the greenest way of traveling. I think that should be the future. Um, and ease, ease of travel. You know, why is it so difficult? <laughs> you know, why, why is it so difficult to get the train and to get there on time and, you know, for but, to get the tickets that you need, um, you know, the fl- be able to be flexible with it and, you know, cost effective. I think that's where we need to be focusing, you know. At the same time, we can save the planet or yeah. help save the planet at least, so. Turning to Harsh Narula of Nagaro next, walking us through some of the advice that he'd give to those looking to make their first steps in transport and beyond. What sort of advice would you impart to people who are looking to uh, take the first sort of steps, like find their way in this industry? Is this always the sort of thing that you found yourself into? Yeah, I, I think for me, uh, to be honest, I, I was very lucky that yeah. I got the opportunity uh, for, a, for example, a company like Nagaro, who is flexible enough to dis- help me decide my own uh, career path. So I think uh, that should be step one. So first of all, identify a good, you know, uh, a, a career path that you have in mind. So just do not play with your, you know, uh, what you're supposed to play with. Yeah. So maybe, you know, just don't deal with the cars that you've been dealt with. Just revisit in your life and see, okay, you know, is it something that I want to do? Because when I was coding, I wasn't really like, okay, I don't really want to do this 10 years down the road. I want to do something different and, and I wanted to change things, you know. So uh, when, I, when, I, when I changed things, I, I wanted to uh, move to an environment that's supportive, you know, a company that would... Uh, give me the freedom to decide yeah. where, in which direction I can go. So I would have gone, I could have gone to any of the larger organizations, but I thought, you know, I really want to go to a place where I'm allowed to think and, uh, you know, express myself and be, you know, uh, uh, dis- decide my own career path. And if if that's some some place where people can can find you know it's it's a different I mean everybody is welcome to join that <laughs> know, we always need people and good people so uh, but, but I think uh, having that clarity of thought in mind if you you find a conducive environment where you know people are like yes you can you can try things you know you can try you can make mistakes and learn and you grow you know and you know. Uh, find what's best for you so and i think when when all the pieces somehow fall in place you know you obviously have to work around them you know there are some things you will try to do which are not the best you probably do not uh, enjoy doing it but you know you, you try something else you fail so i would say make mistake learn 
try to figure out, you know, and when the pieces start falling, I think uh, success is just like a byproduct. So yep. I think it just comes with it. Next up, Fanny Blandaday of LGV Lyria about how they're looking to advance connectivity on their train services starting from 2025, taking the leap to 5G. Uh, the highlight of my presentation is actually that we want to redesign and change the strategy of our Wi-Fi portal, actually. We want it to be more modern, to have more functionalities, to be back on track with entertainment, but also open ourselves to new possibilities of services like connect to API for taxi, but also maybe for solutions that don't exist yet, but we want to create something that can evolve, evolve actually for everyone mm -hmm. in the next five, 10 years, maybe. Yeah, that's great. And, and, and speaking of that, is there any more that TGV Lyria is looking to do to prepare for the future, for the future of transport and connectivity? Well, to be honest, we have many projects going on. Uh, for example, next year we will be the first fleet, well, the first train, sorry, to have 5G. And then the rest of the fleet will be equipped in 2025. That's fantastic. But next year we will have the possibility to test actually uh, the 5G and have a better connectivity. Now it's Jonathan Danovic, founder of Startup OneGrab, about the challenges of being a startup, staying prepared and staying flexible. The first advice I'd say is, um, I know this gets thrown out uh, quite a bit, but most startups, startups fail. So that's one thing that you need to bear in mind that it's, it's a struggle and it's really tough, but the rewards are immense. They're mm -hmm. way higher than what you can get in a regular sort of corporate career. So um, you have to be ready for, uh, for that to so keep pushing and keep moving, but also combine that with a little bit of flexibility because 99% of the startups that are successful are not successful with their original idea. There was some change in between. They had to pivot somehow. We, our idea was quite different at the beginning and, um, and we had to evolve with what we've seen from the market and we'll continue to evolve. Uh -huh. So uh, you have to be ready to face those challenges, but also be flexible and adapt when you really feel that the market and the customers are telling you otherwise. Finally, it's Chris Bouchette of Bolden Networks about how they're looking to continually improve into the future of transport, more specifically, passenger experience. Well, passenger experience is certainly at the forefront of that because passengers are everything. If you have no passengers, you don't have a transit system anymore. But uh, so there's a big focus on making things better for the passenger. And um, in, in for stations in particular, Connectivity is another area where we are experts in wireless connectivity. So this train is here and the equipment behind uh, highlights our ability to, to make a train to ground connection or bus to ground connection for passengers and uh, vehicle telemetry data, uh, point of sale services, anything that connects that we need to, to uh, transfer from the vehicle to the wider world for maintenance purposes, for passenger experience purposes. That's our bread and butter. So concludes another episode of Label Sessions Presents. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast nowhere at your platform of choice. And of course, start your journey today with us at labelsessions.com.